When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today on Barca Talk, the Champions League draw puts Barcelona in a challenging group. Peñas all over the U.S. are dealing with how to watch games. Barca B are starting off their campaign well, and the first team responds to an early goal from Huesca with an opening of the floodgates. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. Brian Henderson here, coming at you from Buffalo, New York, and joining me, as per usual, is Gabriel Quiroga in Madrid. Hello, Brian. What's going on? Oh, today? you're changing yeah. it. You've changed I it. I feel I'm, like I'm, I'm, I'm on a different show entirely. I threw you a curveball. Yeah, so you did. I just, you know, uh, and I knocked it out of the park. <laughs> you pointed. You pointed to the fence. I called my spot. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm. I'm good. I just yeah. finished watching the game. We won eight to two. Very nice. I'm um, I'm feeling eight goals good. How are you feeling? That's good. No, I'm feeling eight good goals good as well. So maybe six because uh, they scored two. So I'm maybe I'm feeling six goals good. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. But overall, just a really good shellacking. Quite my favorite team, Huesca. Yes, you know? Huesca, <laughs> our favorite whipping boy. When they yeah. when they scored early on, I thought, oh no, we're gonna have to start showing Huesca more respect on the show. Uh, but yeah. then by the 90th minute, I was like, no, no, we don't. No, no, we don't. No, we don't. Poor Huesca. Poor Huesca. But, but a good showing for the boys, and yeah, just uh, another great weekend in Madrid. I went out with some friends last night. Just a perfect terrace kind of a night. Uh, just hanging out with some friends enjoying some beers and just talking nonsense. So overall, <laughs> yeah, overall a good weekend. And uh, yeah, how about you? How was your weekend? It was nice. Megan just played her first. Uh, well, no, it wasn't her first, but she played a tango gig last night. As you know, my, my wife is a bassist and she normally plays like classical orchestral stuff, but she has played in other groups like, uh, you know, Americana groups. Uh, I think at one point she was in a Balkan band. She's never really like gotten into like jazz jazz, but she's done all these other kind of popular styles of music and she recently got hooked up with the buffalo tango orchestra and i just saw her for the first time last night playing with them uh so that was fun and it started raining in the middle of the set they were playing indoors but i had walked a good distance from my car to get to the venue so that wasn't great but yeah you know we're we're in that weird space here between extreme heat and the beginning of fall where it's going to start raining a lot more and it's like it rains but then there's steam coming off the ground because it's still so hot yikes <laughs> <laughs> but judging from the uh, the crowd at the camp new at this game over the weekend it looks like everyone like you said is back from vacation so life is in madrid is becoming vibrant again yeah we're back baby we're back from Woo! vacation yes. you know yeah so <laughs> The, back the from the south of france pop, yeah the, the streets are popping everyone's back so yeah uh like i said um you know over this week 
like Thursday, Wednesday night, people were definitely coming back. And for example, I have some bars on my street and they were definitely uh, open and with lots of people again. And just today when I went to the grocery store, packed, packed with people. I was like, go back on vacation. Yep. Stocking <laughs> back up on their Ramon Serrano. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Well, we got news to get into first up. So first thing, Champions League draw. It uh, Some are calling it a group of death. I am on the fence about that, but we pulled Tottenham, PSV, and Inter. And first up, I just want to say from one of our listeners, Alex Song, he says that it's looking really tough, which I think is a good thing. Unlike Bayern's, Madrid's, and Man City's groups, all of our opponents are legitimate threats in this competition. If we can get past the group stages, or better yet, win the group, it will definitely give me a lot more confidence moving forward in the knockout stages. You know, as I always say, bring it on, right? Bring it on, baby. You right. know, I'm always, I always expect the worst, you know, the worst draw, and then anything better than that is, that's how I just look at it. So, I, you know, this is the toughest football yearly tournament um i always go you know like i said the attitude of having the toughest draw and you know this i wouldn't say this is completely the group of death but it's definitely a tough you know tough group as well but you know i want us to you know have a good campaign i think we will with our experience our pedigree um our talent as well and you know obviously we want to get the top spot because obviously going into the next round that's going to help us to have a better uh, opponent that we can have a better advantage but to me, I just, you know, I have confidence that we're going to go through with this. Uh, you know, obviously PSV and Inter at home are, at their place is going to be a difficult match. But I think, like I said, with our talent, our pedigree, our experience, we should be able to advance. You know, I think Group H is more the group of death. What do you think? I agree. Um, group H with Valencia and Manchester United and Juventus and then uh, the new boys, whatever. <laughs> The, the boxcar boys, it's also yeah, in the new boys, the, yeah. the, new boy, the new boys to men. That will be an especially <laughs> tough one with those three teams. I, I think Juventus are still the favorites to top that group. But the second spot is really going to be the thing uh, to be contested between the other two, between Man United and Valencia. But I think similarly with our group, of course, we, along with Tottenham, are probably the favorites to get out of the group. But in both cases, PSV and Inter are going to give both of us problems. So if nothing else, I'm still confident that we're going to get out of the group. I do think that it's quite likely that we'll win the group. But uh, yeah, PSV and Inter are going to make it hard for for both us and Tottenham. So as to who actually does win the group is more up to them than to us or Tottenham, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I just think that, you know, with Tottenham, they're still kind of a growing team. You know, they're still kind of... Uh, getting more experience they're not quite there at that man city level yet i mean they're definitely talented i watched their game last week uh, against man u and they they definitely have the pace and really good attacking but we just have Messi, and that just kind of negates a lot of things <laughs> right <so>. that's true <laughs> well so, and, and we're going to talk about this later because the issue with we have Messi and you don't which is always an advantage that we have over everybody else is that when the other teams make it a point to really shut down Messi, then we have problems. But this is one of the talking points that we've been bringing up a lot this season, and we're going to continue to do so, is the question as to whether Barcelona have been relying too much on Messi. And I think that the tide there is turning. So even if they do shut down Messi defensively and cut him off from being as effective as he can be, we're still going to have threats. But I I don't want to get into that too much right now because we're going to talk about that in a little bit more detail. We're going to go back and forth on that more later. But moving forward with the news, uh, these are the final 
well, the, the transfer window is now officially closed. And the two changes or one was a change and one was a non-change. But the, the two bits of news for FC Barcelona in the last week were Paco going to Borussia Dortmund on loan and Rafinha uh, not going anywhere. So first up, Paco on loan to Dortmund for a 2 million euro loan fee with the option to buy after the loan term at 25 million euro. And the fallout from this is that we're left now only with Munir as a backup to Suarez. And we got this from one of our listeners, Cameron on Patreon on Paco versus Munir. He says, I don't get it, man. I was on my soapbox, you know, this week on Twitter, just asking, you know, uh, that I prefer Paco just as a depth. Right. And I know, Again, champagne problems, right? Munir or Paco. I mean, we really don't have to really rely on them, but, you know, just in case, you know, just in case Suarez uh, goes down with injury or just needs a break, who do you trust? For, I, just, I just trust Paco a little bit more just because of his experience prior to coming to Barcelona, his goal scoring. And people were, you know, combating me with Munir's dribbling and uh, ability to move without the ball. Again, like I told you, someone sent me a, a YouTube mixed video and I responded, oh, Yes, you're right. Uh, with a YouTube mix, mix video, you convinced me completely. So, um, yeah, with you know, a YouTube so, video, you can make Andre Gomes look like Barcelona's yeah, most yeah, valuable course. player. That's why I didn't. I didn't even watch it. So, right. Um, you know, but I like I said for Cameron and other people who were kind of uh, in jest talking about this debate. You know, I was just talking from a, a depth as just a you know a question out there to put out to the fellow Kules. And again, uh, Val Green just prefers Munier. And that's why he shipped him. I think Paco is going to have a great year this year with Borussia Dortmund, just getting more playing time, and especially in that uh, attacking style that they have. Obviously, I'm going to support Munir because he's he's on the team, and I just hope he can step up when he's asked to to get that playing time. If he needs to, you know, for to spell Suarez from from rest or. Uh, if some sort of injury comes, I just hope Munir can step up and just fill that void. Yeah, and I don't think that he has to score goals necessarily, or at least he doesn't have to score a lot of goals. Frankly, Suarez hasn't scored a lot of goals yet, but he's making a very important contribution. You can see in this match against Huesca, for example, the assists he was making, the positions he was taking up, the way he was helping to spread the defense out a little bit. Uh, Well, there was one very good assist that he made. In fact, his passes have been better than his finishes so far this year. But if Munir can at least do a similar kind of thing for the team, I'm good with that. I don't need him to to score a ton of goals when he plays. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is, you know, if if something were to happen to Suarez, we could mix up the formation where uh, Messi's in the middle and then we have maybe Malcolm and Dembele or something like that to, you know, get some goal scoring and speed to cover that Suarez uh, gap if, if we need to. But, but yeah, we're going to talk about Suarez's performance because I was hyper-focused on him today watching the match so i have some notes on him that we're going to talk about later on okay good now real quick for all of you listening what do you think of sending paco away while munir stays let us know at barsatalk.net now the other story of course was that rafinha is staying uh the efforts to send him to betty's didn't pan out so he remains at barcelona but valverde left him off the squad for the huesca match and that's the second week in a row we assumed last week that he left him off the squad because there was this loan to betty sort of looming and I figured, in fact, I, I called Rafinha as being in my starting 11 for this match against Huesca uh, as a rotational uh, player because I figured that the loan to Betis wouldn't go through. He would stay on the squad and then Valverde would want to use him again. But he left him out still. Yeah, uh, like I, I have my notes here. I, we're probably going to see his minutes just come in the Copa del Rey campaign because uh, like today and the game before, he didn't even make the roster. So 
you know, obviously Val Green just doesn't want to dress him. I think he, as we saw today, Artur and Vidal got their, their playing time tonight. I just think he has more confidence in them as midfield than Rafinha. I think maybe because of Rafinha's maybe lack of defense, maybe, or something like that. But uh, I just find it interesting that, you know, he was kind of the, the profile player that he, you know, during the summer campaign, right? He was using him a lot. He was starting, getting a lot of time. And just from the body language, you know, I'm a body language expert. That's right. Uh, you know, he, it seemed as though that Rafinha was going to definitely get some more playing time this year, you know, and whatever Val Green was asking him to do, he was doing it. And also, the, you know, getting some assists as well and looking pretty good this summer. And as we can see, you know, it, <laughs> it can change just like that. Yeah. The, uh, the football is a fickle world. <laughs> So, again, for all of you listening, tell us what you think about this. Do you want to see Rafinha on the squad? Do you want him playing more minutes? And is Valverde making the right decision? Let us know. Barzatalk.net. Uh, now, just a quick note uh, before we go to a break. You know, we've been building this podcast from the ground up. If you've been listening, you know that we aren't part of a big podcast network and we don't have a huge budget to do all the things we'd like to do. Not yet, at least. We're continuing to work on that. So... We want to improve the show with better production, more contributors, and more exclusive and high-quality coverage of FC Barcelona and Cules Everywhere. And we're not there yet, but you can help us get there. Become a supporter on Patreon. We have three tiers of support with benefits for each one, including commercial-free episodes, special bonus episodes, fun merchandise, and drawings for Barca gear. So click on the uh, link in the episode description for this episode to check out the premiums you'll get with a monthly contribution. Thanks. Now, next up, after the break, the fan community, Barca B and Barca Women. All right, we're back. This is Barca Talk. And I want to give a mention to the uh, Pena in Las Vegas. I, I'm, I imagine they posted this on Twitter as well. But I was checking Instagram the other day, and they really went out of their way to keep everyone informed as to what was going on with their meeting place for this week. Since the place they had been going only has direct TV, and BN apparently is no longer on direct TV, they had to switch to a new location. And I think they did a great job, as far as I can tell, of letting all their members know. And if you're interested, if you're ever in or around Las Vegas and you want to find the Pena to go watch a match, you can follow them on Twitter or Instagram at FC Barca LV. And I'm sure all the Penas are having these kinds of issues with keeping their members informed as to where to meet up. And for some who have been meeting at the same place for a long time, that could be tricky. But to all the Penas out there dealing with this issue, if you've had to come up with an unlikely or bizarre solution to getting your your people together to watch games, tell us your story at BarsaTalkPod at gmail.com. Yeah, this is a crazy thing that's going on because, you know, imagine you're a bar, right? I'm sorry, but La Liga's probably maybe fourth on their list of you know, TV that they're really interested in. Obviously the NFL and college football is probably going to be their main get and direct TV offers the Sunday ticket. Right. So most bars are going to have Sunday t or at direct TV. And so that is going to be some sort of conflict. So I'm interested too, to hear what are these stories? My dad just messaged me. He just got uh, sling TV. So he's happy about that. Um, and again, this is Took just my recommendation. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so this is, you know, this is quite a big deal because I've been seeing on Twitter too, that the other Pena's are having to move around, find a bar that doesn't have direct TV, right. To, to show the game and to have that, that Pena experience. And again, if you're a bar, you know, 
most of your money, you know, for the most part is going to come from uh, college football and NFL and direct TV offers that. And of course, you're not just going to switch just like that to really accommodate uh, La Liga. Unfortunately, it's not at that, that, that it's still kind of niche. It's... Exactly. It's still kind of niche. So uh, hopefully they're able to get together still and watch those games because that's, that's a big pain in the ass. Yeah, seriously. Now, speaking of Peñas, the Los Angeles Peña alerted us to a travel package they've, let's say, instigated with a travel agent in L.A. Because it's not just them who's who's doing it. But this is a really cool uh, travel package uh, because the flights are set up from a lot of major U.S. cities as part of the package, right? So, of course, plenty of L.A. Peña members are going to be going on this trip. But it's set up for people all over the country and wherever you're flying from the trip, the airfare is part of whatever, uh, whatever ultimate price you pay. So the trip is scheduled for April next year for the fixture against Atletico Madrid. And it's a really nice package. It has round trip airfare, hotel ticket for a, a hop on hop off city bus tour, uh, the camp new experience, get one ticket to that. And of course a ticket to the Atletico match. So if you're looking to set up some travel plans to see Barcelona play this year, this looks like a great option, and Megan and I are going, so you can join us and all the North American Peñas in Barcelona this April. There's a link in the description of this episode, or you can go to peñalosangeles.com slash travel. Uh, you just slipped that in like you were just going to New York or something. Yeah. Get get excited. No. I'm going. <laughs> You're going. I'm going. We're going to have an event. Let's yes. get psyched. Let's we're going to have Barca Talk in Barcelona for the first time ever in April. Correct. So let's let's get pumped, right? Okay, so pump it. I was I was contacted by the Los Angeles Peña about this trip. And first of all, let's talk about the trip. It's a great trip. Let me just mention the cities really quick that are that has airfare from it. It's from Chicago, Dallas, Houston, Los Angeles, Montreal, Denver, Phoenix, New York, San Francisco, Toronto, and Washington, D.C. So if you're in any of those cities... Come join us. We're going to do a whole event for the weekend. We're going to do a live episode, hopefully, as long as the the, uh, the game is on the Saturday night. We should be able to do the live event there. But we're going to meet up with the Pena members there, and it's going to be an awesome weekend. We're just going to go to the match. We're going to do the Camp New Experience. And, of course, we're just going to have some Kanyas in Barcelona, my brother. Yeah. I mean, I'm down for a full beer, but I'll have a Kanya. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint, buddy. Ah, uh, yes, right. You got <laughs> to pace myself. Exactly. Yes. So I'm very excited because obviously we're going to be meeting in person for the first time in three-dimensional form. Right. So a lot of Barca Talk firsts are, are going to happen on this trip. Yeah, so we're really excited. So again, it's the April 3rd weekend coming up in the spring. And also, which is great, is this uh, this trip has a payment plan as well available. We're going to put the link. The link is going to be in the show notes, but we're also going to put on our website as well. And that brings me to the other thing that I've been putting together a page on our website to give tips, um, some, not want to say tricks, just more like tips of traveling to Barcelona. If you can't make it for this weekend, uh, you know, which airline to check out, um, where to stay, game day experience, how to get tickets and so forth. So I'm building that page right now. I only have a couple things up there. Uh, so if you have any suggestions, you can email us at, uh, you know, you can find us our email address on barsatalk.net. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really glad that for anyone who's not going to do this particular trip, we're trying to set up some some good helpful information for you as a, as a place where you can go for various resources for planning your own trip to Barcelona. So thank you, Gabriel, for setting that up. Now let's turn to Barca women. Uh, they steamrolled the Catalonia Cup, first shutting out Parinas 9-0 in the semifinal and then very comfortably winning the final against Espanyol 7-0. 
Liga Iberdrola is going to actually going to start next week against Athletic Club in Bilbao, and we will have a full report for you next week from our Barca women correspondent, Michelle Taylor. And now Barca B. So they have started their campaign already in Segunda B, and the new manager, Garcia Pimienta, has the boys getting off to a good start with two wins out of two so far. And now, with commentary on that first match against Alcoyano and a look at the squad is our Barca B correspondent, Max Bluer. Garcia Pimienta's boys started off their league campaign in Segunda B last weekend with a 3-1 defeat away to Valencian side Alcoyano. Canadian Ivorian winger Jean-Yves Ballou was the name on the score sheet for us, curling home from around the penalty spot after Carlos Perez had done really well to beat his fullback and put in a low cross from the left. The goal came on the stroke of half-time and was the equaliser after Alcayano had opened the scoring from a corner with not even a minute on the clock. The hosts had dominated much of the first half, using an aggressive passing game and sometimes just downright aggression to overcome the technical, short-passing style that Garcia Pimienta is looking to instill as his team's style of play. Nevertheless, Barcebe did have their moments, with Badu turning his marker inside out with some wonderful dribbling on a couple of occasions and Ricky Puig using the ball in midfield neatly and imaginatively. Unfortunately, just as the boys were getting used to Alcoyano's physical style and were starting to impose their own game, the Valencian team scored in the 75th minutes and again in the 91st. I referred to the team just now as boys, and that really is what they are. The starting 11 had an average age of just 19, and seven of them were teenagers. Barcelona's youth this season makes a stark and welcome contrast to last year, when the club decided to fill the squad with more experienced signings from outside the club structure, in a doomed attempt to stay in Segunda División. This policy was heavily criticised, both from the outside. After all, it distorted the competition to have a club with Barca's firepower signing whoever we wanted to for the B team. And also from the socios, as signings like the 24-year-old Honduran striker Antonio Lozano or the 23-year-old midfielder Inigo Ruiz de Galareta, neither of whom ever had a hope of making the first team, were seen to have been blocking the progression of younger players from the lower age groups. Having said that, the club announced on transfer deadline day, which is today as we record this, the signing of Uruguayan under-20s captain Ronald Araujo. Araujo is a centre-back signed from Montevideo club Boston River, no, I've no idea who they are either, for 1.7 million euros up front, with variables rising to a maximum of 5.2 million. Perhaps the policy hasn't changed quite as much as we'd like to think. Nonetheless, guys that like Lasano and Ruiz de Arreta have since been moved on, with their spots in and around the starting eleven taken by some extremely exciting young talents, like Abba Ruiz, Ricky Puig and Juan Miranda. Miranda has been a protagonist of one of the sporting directors' dilemmas over the summer. Who was to be the backup to Jordi Alba once it became clear that Lucas Dinho wanted to lead the club in search of more first-team football? Valgarine had initially been minded to bring in an experience signing, but Eric Abadal and his team just quickly decided, partly to alleviate a bloated wage bill and partly to give a boost to La Masia, that the second-choice left-back would come from the academy. The two candidates for the position were 20-year-old Catalan Marco Guadena, who had been left-back for the B team in Segunda last year, and 18-year-old Andalusian Juan Miranda, who was one of the batch of Juvenil players promoted to the B team last year and was first choice for the team that won the UEFA Youth League last year, beating Chelsea 3-0 in the final. Both players went on the, th- the tour of the US with the first team in pre-season, in what was widely interpreted as an audition between the two for the place of second choice left-back. Miranda is seen as the more technically gifted player, better at combining with his teammates. And while Gugurella is the more athletic, more able to get to the byline, deliver a cross and make it back to his defensive position, it is thought within the club that as Miranda develops, if his physicality will come to match that of Gugurella. The latter, not wanting to drop down to Segunda Bay after a solid season in Segunda, is looking to leave and has been given permission to do so, with Aibar looking close to his signature at the moment. Along with Juan Miranda, we might see Ricky Puig in action with the first team in the not-too-distant future as well. A talented, ball-playing midfielder who, dare I say it, 
Reminds us a little bit of Andres Iniesta in the way he can escape a marker in the tightest of spots. But unlike the great man, he scores a few goals as well. Another one to look out for, who might make the odd appearance for the first team, is Abadouis. Captain of Spain's under-17s, for whom he was the second top goalscorer at last year's under-17 World Cup. This centre-forward broke several goal-scoring records in the youth teams, and will be hoping to catch Valverde's eye with his performances for the B-team, particularly now that Paco Alcácer has departed for pastures new in Germany. Not to be forgotten is Carles Elena, another talented goal-scoring midfielder who, thanks to his fabulous individual performances in Segunda last year, has already been promoted to the first team. However, a horrible injury in the final game of last season, a 2-0 loss to Real Zaragoza, ruled Elena out for all of pre-season. He's recently returned to training, and Valverde has said that he will play with the B team, at least until he gains complete match fitness. Having a man who scored 11 goals from midfield in Segunda will be a huge plus for Garcia Pimienta, even if it's only for a few games. Although looking at the surfeit of central midfielders at Valgreen's disposal, by my count, Barca have 10 central midfielders competing for just three places. Alenia could be spending a fair bit of time with Barca B. Barca's second match of the season is at home against Aragonese side Egea on Saturday the 1st of September. Ruiz, Puig, Miranda and co will all be hoping to get their first points of the season as they grace the mini-study for the first time this year. Thanks, Max, for that report. Now, next up, after the break, eight is enough. Goals, that is. 1970s television? No? All right. All right, we're back, and we're here to now talk about the match against Huesca. It was La Liga match day three in the Camp Nou, and the stadium was packed with everyone back from vacation with an 8-2 win. That is correct. So everyone was back from vacation, good ambiance, but it did not start off well with Huesca scoring very early. But before we get into that, uh, let's get into the lineup for Barcelona. So for Barcelona, we had Ter Stegen in goal, your boy Sergi, Roberto, Pique, Umtiti, Alba. Then we had Rakitic, Busquets, Coutinho, Dembele, Messi, and Suarez. And so on my television, the, on the Spanish version, they said 4-3-3. I looked on who scored. They're telling me 4-4-2. So pick it's debatable. <laughs> because they are really, they're flowing in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I would say just more 4-3-3 just because at the beginning, the way Dembele was spaced and where Messi was. But obviously towards the end, you know, like you said, they were just floating in and out and kind of a 4-4-2, 4-3-3 kind of a thing. So, but uh, yeah, so the same starting lineup and really quick, just the reaction on Twitter and myself, you know, as we talked about, we want a little bit more rotation. And I know we scored eight goals and that's great, but I just want to see some of the squad members getting playing time. And it has nothing to do with the other players being tired right now. It has nothing to do with that. It's just integrating them through the whole season, right? Because we have so many games. And I really wanted to see Linglet. I really wanted to see Malcolm play so somehow, maybe get Suarez a break today. But, um, you know, I don't know what to say. You know, I, I, well, don't, know, I don't know if Val Green is le- learning from last year. <laughs> Well, you know, Huesca got off to a pretty good start, and I'll detail that in just a second, actually. But maybe their good results in the first two match days got Valverde thinking. Uh, and I would like to know what, what our listeners think. You know, did Valverde show Huesca more respect than necessary with this lineup? Or is he still trying to settle this 11 into a well-oiled machine regardless of the opponent? And I know that you also have an idea about or, or an opinion about how he's not putting players in the best optimal position. And I'm wondering uh, specifically which players for you were in suboptimal positions in this match. Well, before we get into that, I mean, if Val Green is giving Huesca respect, I mean, this is a nightmare because I understand, you know, it's sports, anything can happen. But at the same time, we're Barcelona at home. 
with Messi. You know, it, it, this shouldn't happen. You should just go with squad players, have confidence that you're still going to get six goals instead of eight with this with this starting eleven. And I get that's the other point of view that people were saying on Twitter, like to get the the starting eleven steamrolling. I understand that, but we have a long season. We don't. We have international break coming up. It's just you know we we can afford to to plug in some players and for suboptimal. It's just I just want Messi to be in the middle, right? I just want him to be in the middle at all times because he's going to play make. He's going to shoot, and from him everything comes out, right? So I want Coutinho as on the left side, Dembele on the right, and Suarez up top. That's what I want. I don't know how, you know, if you want to say a fourth. And then you want Messi in behind them in the center. Exactly, exactly. Because then he can receive the ball from Busquets or Rakitic, turn and go, give and go on the right and just free flow. Because, you know, Messi just wants to free flow. So just let him free flow because that's where he's the most dangerous. I mean, we saw today how many passes he was getting through over the top, anything he wanted, right? And if he's on the right side, we don't have a playmaker in the middle to be as dynamic. And so we need Messi in the middle. But when we have Messi in the middle, we need the the balance on the right side. And as we saw earlier, when Dembele was on the right and he hit that shot that hit the crossbar, you see how with how much confidence he's playing on the right side where he, he just looks like a different player on the right. And obviously he scored on the left today. I get that. But I just think he is just more comfortable on the right and obviously having Coutinho on the left. Yeah, I think that your idea is, is fair enough. But uh, I, I don't know what Valverde is thinking exactly. Uh, but he's definitely not thinking the way you are. But, you know, he, he reserved those squad players for substitutions. So Longley did come in for Umtiti, Vidal came in for Rakitic, and Arthur came in for Busquets. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I, know that your, I know that your issue is more that you want to see them start. Um, exactly. I just, want them to see, I just want them to get minutes, you know? Right. And, again, yeah, Huesca scored early, but you saw, I mean, we can turn the tide very quickly. And with our team, our talent, we – I knew that this was going to be a win. I just didn't know that Huesca was going to score. And that was really bad. Um, I think just lazy defending from the get-go. But after they, you know, got that early goal, they woke up really quickly and they were able to get those goals. And I mean, after, after it was five to two, you know, it's game set Guillermo. Right. Well, speaking of respect to Huesca, I want to, I want to give them a little bit because they've had a really good start to, or they have had a pretty good start to the season. They started off with a two, one win over Ibar. And that's one of the clubs who's really been coming up since being promoted themselves four years ago. So I think that was a good win for Huesca. Then last week they drew to athletic club two, two, and that was an excellent result for them, especially with a new manager in Leo Franco. But at this point, Huesca are actually accustomed to a revolving door of managers, as it turns out. Since 2014, they had four different managers. Only Luis Tevenet was able to stick around for two seasons from 2014 to 16. So they've got another new manager, and they're getting, they got good results in those first two weeks. And I think the athletic club result was especially interesting in that it wasn't a a goalless draw. It wasn't a one-one draw. They, you know, they scored two goals and it was a two-two draw. So they got off to a really good start. Now in this match, of course, they set up in a four-four-two, which with the same exact lineup, same exact players that they've played uh, in the first two matches. So they have a really standard uh, best eleven that Franco has picked out. And I'm not going to uh, go through every player on the on the lineup, uh, but I will also say that their goalkeeper Werner did have a couple of good moments, and he's another one of those Atletico Madrid recruits he's actually on loan from atletico and for some reason there's just something in the water in that neighborhood of madrid they just know how to pick goalkeepers but anyway 
Uh, Huesca started with a strong pressing game in midfield, as far as I could tell, getting more compact when Barca were in and around their goal area, but they were really looking to close down the player looking for the final pass. And what surprised me was that they weren't very concerned about shutting down Messi. He was actually getting a lot of the ball, and they really paid for it. Yeah, they were coming into basically spar or box with Barcelona. Like, they didn't want to park the bus. And that's commendable, right? Because a lot of teams will just park 11 people and have one forward up there for the counter. Especially after they scored that first goal, they were definitely playing, you know, with house money at that point. Again, <laughs> right. no, it's true, right? I mean, they they threw a cross in there, and they got a mix-up, and they got a goal, you know? And it's... And they were up one nothing within the first three minutes. But, but like you said, you know they've they've played good. But again, how good is Athletic Bilbao this year? You know those are the type of you know those are the. I mean, we we always think of Athletic Bilbao from four years ago. You know when Valverde was there, and they were a tougher team. But lately, I just don't think they're as good. And again, Huesca, fine. You know, but again, I just I'm my whole thesis of this is I just want us to be more aggressive with our lineups and our formation against teams at home that we should just automatically win on paper. Right. Well, you know, also at most of those goals for us, or was it six of them, right? Six of them came in the second half and that first half. And especially uh, in those first 20 minutes, Huesca were really pressing hard, but then after 20 minutes, they relaxed their pressing. Probably they'd gotten a little tired, right? And they were giving Barcelona more time, but instead they were just trying to look, occupy the space, and it just shows that it's still hard for, for some teams to press for the whole game. It's very exhausting. Um, but in the last, like, 15 of the first half, they had to just resort to committing more fouls. And in the second, they started off trying to press, but they just couldn't keep it up very long at all. I think that lasted all of five minutes in the second half. I mean, it's super difficult to press that long, especially when you never get the ball. You know, if you're constantly chasing and pressing as a team, it's it sounds really good in theory, but as to execute it and to run for that long, you're just not trained that way because, you know, when you're playing football, you're you're sprinting, you're stopping, catching your breath, running a little bit. But if you're constantly chasing, it's really hard to do for more than 20 minutes. And as you noted, after 20 minutes, they were able to not press as high. And, you know, obviously we were still having holes you know we were still having a lot of attacking moments which I liked we weren't doing so much horizontal play we were definitely going up the middle and shooting which I really liked but again uh I just I just don't know if PK was still kind of on vacation mode right now because he didn't really have the best match day kind of left Sergi Roberto uh, out to dry a couple times especially on the first goal and on the second goal and you know again it's still a long season I wish we would have played a better defense uh you know defensively better today but again, we we just man, the the goals we scored today were ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, well, and we will talk about that. But real quick, what did you think about how Huesca ha- handled their attack and their attacking approach? Yeah, I mean that's that's the blueprint, right? That you have to do if you're either if you're either going to put eleven people back there and do long ball with counter, that's one way. Or if you're free-flowing, like Huesca did today, they had the two forwards up there, and they were just trying to give crosses as much as possible to give some sort of fluke goal that, like they did, like they got in the first couple minutes. So, you know, you got to give credit to Huesca because they kind of went into the game knowing that they were going to lose, but they 
they didn't want to be one of those teams that everyone complains about being so defensive. So they they danced with Barca and ultimately they just couldn't hang after, you know, 45 minutes or so. Right. Now, as far as that that early goal, right? So the uh, Barcelona defense did not get off to a good start letting in that goal. Uh, tactically, Huesca had Sergi overmanned, right, with players both in front and behind him, and nobody had come back to help cover. So if there was a defensive breakdown in that moment, I think it was in allowing themselves to get outmanned in the box, but also in letting the cross in in the first place. Yeah, and, and the other thing, too, is, just, you know, it's the beginning of the game, you know, and it's it's one of those moments where they just threw a cross up, and in that play, I think PK should have been closer to his man behind and the surgery to track back to see the guy behind him. And he just didn't notice the guy behind him. He headed it. And then the guy kind of just stuck his foot out there. So, you know, in the beginning of the match, you know, it's kind of one of those moments where you're just not even in the match yet. It was two minutes, you know, and Huesca was able to get that. It was a really nice cross. And again, like you said, Sergio Roberto was sandwiched by two Huesca players. He had to choose, you know, either or he chose wrong and there was a mix up and they, they were able to get up to the first goal. Yeah, and like you said just a minute ago, I thought it was really nice to see Huesca come to play and not just sit deep, right? Because that always makes for a more exciting match to watch. Um, but in those opening minutes, it showed that Barca weren't prepared for that. And, you know, it's when I stop and think about it, it does kind of blow my mind that that, that happens. Not just to us, but to even to big teams in all kinds of situations when they get scored on early. Uh, whether it's against a good side or a not-so-good side, these things happen. But it's like... Wait, you know, you you had the whole warm up, and then you went to the locker room. You got your uniform on. You mar- you guys walked out in lines. You did the whole lining up thing. How are you not prepared <laughs> mentally yeah, yeah, for that whistle it's, it's to not, blow? Yeah, yeah, but it's not even like that. It's just you, you, like, for example, uh, I remember playing, and it's just those first minutes. You just want to touch the ball. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, obviously you warmed up and you're ready that way. But in the, in the actual match, you just want to have a touch and pass. And when you don't have that happen and all of a sudden you have to play defense and it's actually a goal scoring opportunity, then all of a sudden you're just not really ready yet. And I know you're a professional, but still just in any level of football playing, you always want to get that first touch, that pass, and then get into the game that way. But once, you know, that happened with Sergio Roberto kind of being surprised by the play, then all of a sudden the lights went on for Barca and they were able to kind of really step it up a gear. Yeah, although with that small exception of PK, like you said, he didn't have the best game. He didn't have a terrible game, but, you know, he... He uh, was sort of partially involved in the first goal getting scored or giving up the, the first goal to Huesca. And then on their second goal, they worked really hard to keep up the pressure on goal. I mean, they were they were kind of grasping at straws and it just happened to work. Right. But uh, PK just wasn't ready for that last ball in, I think, because they were just pushing so hard and everything just happened to bounce their way on that second goal. Exactly. And he just wasn't, you know. He just wasn't as aggressive in his man marking. You know, he just kind of let it slide, just thinking that they weren't going to get the ball through and they got the ball through. And then all of a sudden the man was open and that was his man. So, you know, just, la- you know, lackadaisical defending. And I get it because it's against Huesca. We were already up 2-1, especially with the own goal that happened. But, you know, uh, we were able to eventually just have the avalanche of goals that came. So now talking about Barcelona on the attacking end, on, on our offensive end, you mentioned that you had a lot of things to say about Suarez. So let, let's get into Suarez. Yeah. So I was hyper-focused on him. I was definitely watching him more than the other players during the attack. And, you know, I put it on Twitter. He's like one of those beer league strikers, you know, always off sides, walking and yelling at you. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Holy Trinity of strikers, you know? Right. <laughs> 
Okay, so you mentioned earlier that he had a great through ball for the goal against Coutinho. Or was it Coutinho or Dembele? Actually, it wasn't. Okay, it wasn't. So he, no, he passed it and got deflected through Dembele. Okay, uh. So it seemed as though Suarez had a great pass. Obviously, he scored two goals. That's what everyone's talking about in the interview. They asked him about the goals, and he's just, I'm just happy that the team won. But he just still looks out of shape, not into it. Every time he's off sides, he walks back. He doesn't really run. And I know that, you know, it's, you know, he's just not into the mode yet. But at the same time, you know, with the one-on-one that he had, he didn't score. Um, just like his passing again was off. There was a couple passes where either was long, went out of bounds. Uh, he just doesn't gauge right the speed of Dembele or Coutinho and those type of plays. And I don't know. I just, I want more from him or I want someone else to have another opportunity so they maybe can see on tape another player moving with more ganas. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just like, because when you watch, when I was watching a bunch of times, like, for example, the goal that he scored, right? If you watch it, he's he's not off sides because the ball wasn't given to him, but he just never he never looks back. And I just can't understand that as a professional. We've talked about that. It's like one of the first things I learned as a striker was to always swivel your head to make sure that you're on the same line. And he just never does that. And obviously he wasn't caught this time, but it's just that kind of lazy type of walking and not really caring. And, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's just he's just overplaying in September and October. You know, could be because he's he's been playing for such a long time with the World Cup and so forth. But give some other players some opportunities so that we can have fresh legs and let Suarez rest. Yeah, and as far as uh, misjudging Dembele or, or anything like that, I think there were a couple of times where I think he overestimated Dembele's speed, where he he just really put a ball through like with a lot of heat. And I'm like, "There's what are you thinking, man? Like Dembele's fast, but he's not that fast. Yeah, he put a lot of hot sauce on those passes. You yeah. Know? He's just, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, go get it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's me. That's my fault. So, yeah. Sorry. But uh, but uh, the opposite of that was, you know, my boy Messi. You know, he's my boy, not yours. Right. Um, but, man, like we he always talk about. He belongs to all of us. Yes, he does. <laughs> he's Dios. Yeah. You know, that's really all it is. Yeah. But that move he did on the, sec- on the first goal – was ridiculous and i and i can tell you that as a lefty i love doing that move i obviously can't do it as smooth as his but I, I would always set up my opponents that way and you can see that he does have so many opportunities to go to the right if you look at that goal again there's three guys shadowing him to the left and finally he went to the right and he was able to hit that and obviously the finish was something you do in training where you just hit the post and it goes in you know and he was able to do it in a, in a match so amazing finish he's you know tied for the top lead score after this game with Benzema yeah and when he scored on that I noticed he went to the right I I thought you would be happy and I know that you're looking for him to go to the right also more in playmaking as well because everyone's expecting to go from right to left and I know that you're you're really looking to see him go to the right more in the playmaking position but in this case he went to the right and there was all the space in the world that he needed to score yeah and I know he can go left and still beat people with three you know, three players shadowing him. I know he's that great, but if he just goes to the right, just a little bit more, then that's going to be on film. And now those players have to be worried if he's going to go left or right, and he can still go left more often to have those opportunities. But again, his passing tonight, uh, his playmaking was off the charts. Amazing. I mean, there were so many passes where he went over the top, he chipped on the Rakitic goal. Like how does he, the commentators are even seeing, how does he even see it? How he's always, 
three plays ahead of everyone and the passing he does for everyone, especially Alba on the left, the through balls he does are just magic. I mean, it's just pure magic. Yeah. And Ray Hudson was saying the same thing a few times in this game about how Messi just invents passing lanes that no one else can possibly see. And he gets it to someone. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if I should bring this up or not, but I'm going to in the whole Messi V Ronaldo uh, debate, which will of course always exist. It will never be put to bed. I don't think. But in any case, you know, the thing about about the tall guy, the Portuguese guy, is that he plays a very standard game. He just plays it really, really, really well. He's kind of like a really great practitioner of fundamentals and solid like textbook football. And he's just really good at it. Whereas, on the other hand, Messi invents a new game. He's just on another. He can also do that. He can also play the textbook game really well, but then he also invents and he opens your eyes to other possibilities of what this game could be. And I think, of course, I was uh, I became a Barcelona fan while Messi was already, you know, he'd really arrived as a player. And of course, I've been watching that for for eight years now for people who were Barcelona fans before Messi showed up. It's just they're just we're just glad to have him such as yourself. You're just glad to have Messi on the club, and you're probably grateful every day, maybe even more so than me, because I didn't know a time before Messi. But I think if if someone were getting into the game right now, it all boils down to what your personality is. Like, if you want someone who's going to be, like, muscular and fast and uh, do the fundamentals really well, then that Portuguese dude is your guy. But for those of us who like art and beauty and inventiveness and imagination— Messi is your guy, and he's going to pull you into FC Barcelona. Well said, well said. Yeah, Why, thank I you. Mean, yeah, yeah. That was and all off the dome, by the way. I didn't I know, write that I one saw up. That. You were just free flowing, free M&M flowing style. Man. You know, I was just... like Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, tonight when he's super, like I want to use the word in Spanish, enchufado, like plugged in, right? When he's mm. super into the match and just diming everyone, picking spots, and just controlling the tempo there's just no one like him i mean there's just no one like him and the passes he was doing i always admire the way he's able to distribute the balls off to alba he never gets them intercepted either on the ground or in the air and the way the through ball that he can play through suarez and so forth i mean like as we always says defending this attacking is just such a nightmare and especially if we have all the players clicking and moving as we saw in the second half it's just it's just an avalanche so so I ask you, what was your favorite goal of the night? Oh, my favorite goal. Well, I think my favorite actually was Rakitic's, mainly because it was surprising. I didn't see it coming. Uh, you know, Rakitic, he's, he's not going to score much. He doesn't score much. He's been playing in a different role. But it was uh, one of those surprising moments where I didn't see it coming, and his finish was spot on. Just a brilliant finish on the volley. The 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 crossover to him was fantastic. So that was my favorite goal. That was my favorite goal as well. And for two reasons, the pass by Messi to go over the top, Umtiti stopping, realizing that Rakitic was going to do it. I don't know if you were ever played Street Fighter 2 as a kid. Of course. But it kind of reminded me of the Guile flash kick. It's like, <laughs> bam, out of nowhere, you know? <laughs> it's like, flash kick. <laughs> but it was so clinical, the way he was able to turn his hips and hit it. And all of our goals tonight were were really great because they were just low corners hitting the post and going in, you know, and the finishing tonight was outstanding. But for me, Rakitic's goal was my favorite. Just the setup from Messi 
over the top, Umtiti stopping, realizing it's for Rakitic, and Rakitic not even hesitating, flash kick, boom, goal. You know, it was perfect. And there was also that one from uh, Jordi. It was one of the later goals. Uh, and the thing I especially liked about that wasn't necessarily anyone who was involved in making the goal, but what I really loved was how Suarez, knowing he was offside, let the ball go through and just let the play happen. He's always offside. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let me just, no, refer- just hang on, hang on, referee corner, all right, <laughs> there's offside, and then there's in an offside position, yeah, he was yeah, in yeah, an offside yeah. position, yeah, he knew yeah, it, yeah. and he knew that if he touched or even moved towards the ball, the play would go dead, and he didn't move, he let he let the play go through, it was in that moment, the best thing he could have done, and he did it. Do you think they all yelled at him on the field? They're like, no, Suarez! <laughs> and he right. stopped. <laughs> Maybe, they might have to. Maybe that's yeah. what's necessary oh on the pitch. Gosh. You're like, no, Luis! <laughs> yeah. No! <laughs> but yeah, very like balanced scoring, just goals from every every which way, from surprising players, including... Uh, well, there was the, the one that was an own goal, but it, it came from Jordi Alba's uh, attempt. Yeah. But he also did get a goal of his own. Rakitic, Messi with, what, two, right? Dembele. Yeah. Did Coutinho, Coutinho score as well? <laughs> no, he didn't score, but he had a, he had a hand in, in a lot of attacking plays. A lot of uh, He had a really nice play with Messi. Uh, Messi um, actually, Coutinho had a nice through ball to Messi, you know, for that for his goal. That was really nice. Found the space. Again, it's just you can see when we have space, the through ball, our speed, how we're able to exploit those spaces. But, I mean, it was just a great overall attacking performance. Obviously, as we talked about, you know, we would have liked a stronger defense. Obviously, Linglet got some playing time, so that was nice to see. Vidal came in. Also, Artur got his his uh, first La Liga uh, playing time as well. So, overall, a good game. Here in Madrid, Brian, there's been a huge, huge debate since Thursday about the whole Ronaldo not going to Monaco for the Champions League uh, festivities. Mm. And... When Suarez took the penalty kick, I don't know if you saw in the video that Messi picked up the ball and threw it to Suarez to let him take the penalty kick. So obviously, I did. Just just the comparison again, as always, m- how selfless and a team player Messi is, and he just wants to see his players. Again, this guy Ronaldo, man, the fact that he couldn't even go to Monaco to support his team, you know, his team swept the awards to celebrate. I mean, he must. Again, he said he had a personal issue. Obviously. He didn't go. But again, it's just kind of the dichotomy of the two players, right? Messi, if you see the video in jest, the way he does it, he just <laughs> he just throws the ball to Suarez. Suarez takes it, places it, scores the goal, you know, well, okay. going to Suarez's house for dinner, you know? It's like... <laughs> All right, to be fair, I, if you're looking for people who don't like Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm at the front of the line based on what I what I observe in him. But to be fair, if he says he has a personal issue and... If he says he has a personal issue and it's you or me hearing that, we're going to go, yeah, sure, sure, you have a personal issue, Chris, whatever, Chris. But it, it, yeah, but it, he was he was he was going to come. He canceled forty minutes before the helicopter was supposed to take him. Right, right, so right. It's not so it, but so if that had happened with Messi, we'd have been like, look, something came up, guys. We, you know, <laughs> we would be defending yeah. him. I'm just saying, in this particular I, case, I your bias is really affecting things, yes, which I is fine. But, when, but when I just want to call it what it award, is. <laughs> when Iniesta won the award, Messi was there. 
congratulating him and so forth. So that's what I'm saying. You're missing my point. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. I'm just ignoring it. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm pulling a I'm pulling a U.S. presidential debate, and I'm just going to talk as if Correct. no one even Correct. asked me anything. Yeah, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. Just don't stand behind me and hover me like a creep. No. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, we got your favorite time of the year, International National Na- Nations League. Nations up. League, yes. <laughs> the Nations League, the league that everyone has been hoping for. <laughs> we, we talked about this in our Patreon episode, and we were having a good laugh about it because obviously this Nations League is a new concept to international friendlies. And you were doing the whole great job of explaining everything, and you lost me after the first sentence. You, just, you just stopped listening. You didn't even care. <laughs> But if you, I mean, again, if you want to go through the Nations League uh, format really quick. Um, well, want. yeah, just U- UEFA came up with this, uh, this, this idea for holding a tournament for internationals rather than just friendlies to try and at least give it the appearance of being more competitive. And I think the idea, of course, is to uh, give some, some more incentive actually to the, the smaller nations, um, but also the larger nations. So it's uh, all the countries in Europe for this are split up into four leagues a b c and d league a is all the all the top countries all the top seeded countries and then it goes down from there to league d all the lowest ranked countries and the their idea to try and incentivize the countries to you know play well and take it seriously as a competition is there's promotion and relegation in it so the bottom teams in league a will next time be dropped to league b and you know what country wants that kind of egg on their face, I guess. But the funny thing is that the results are somewhat related to the Euro and European qualifiers, but not closely enough. So it's very questionable as to how seriously any one uh, national side is going to take this this tournament. They're probably... We're predicting that they're probably just going to treat them like friendlies anyway. They're going to have that kind of atmosphere to them rather than a really competitive tournament. And Luis Enrique is trying to start a Spanish revolution here with a new style of players. And so there was a little bit of controversy with Alba not being on the list. But, uh, you know, the next game is against Real Sociedad on September 15th. And I don't know if you saw, but they just signed Sandro uh, to to Real Sociedad. So he's going to probably be in the starting lineup at that point. And, you know, it's always a tough match at the Anueta, So Yes, and so they're going to be playing that after... Uh, we come back from international, from the Nations League break. But on the upside, Jordi Alba will be fresh. And so will Messi. Yeah. And so will Alba. Or so will PK too. So Right. You know, yeah, you know, so our players are getting a little bit older now. They're not going to be required to be doing this international duty, which is great. So they'll be able to relax even more. And or at least not... just stay at home and train. Exactly. No exactly. traveling. You know, I mean, they're probably going to be out at the training ground, but it's not as... Uh, it's not as difficult as having to get on the plane and especially for someone like Messi, right. To have to go to Argentina or something like that, you know, not as taxing. So that would be good. Exactly. So most of our players will be fresh. And again, because we'll need it because the Anoeta is such a tough place. We've, I think we've only won once there in the last nine years or something like that. And that place is just always tough to play, especially with the weather, the, that field is so weird with that track around it. It's just such an old school type of Olympic stadium style. And they always play tough there just because of the climate and the way the grass is. Um, they usually let it grow a little bit longer. So it's harder to have that slick passing style that we love to have. 
Yeah, and Real Sociedad is not a bad team. No, I mean, they're always right in the middle. You know, they're always right in the middle. I'm interested to see how they'll do this season, um, especially, you know, they're always kind of those teams that can can really give you that trouble, and they never have enough money to make those signings, like to put them over the top, you know, to be in the top six, the top seven. And But they're still tough at home. They're yeah. always tough at home. Well, it's got to be tough being in San Sebastian. You know, it's like the secondary city in Basque Country, which is not – which is like secondary to Madrid and Barcelona in Spain. It's just – it's – it's not as big a place. But then again, they lost to Ibar this weekend, and Ibar last, lost to Huesca before that. So who knows? Yeah, the the, the Basque mini Basque Derby, you know? Yeah. Uh, we're going to see, you know, how this team, if we're going to have some rotation, I, I definitely see us going into a 4-4-2 for that game. Stronger 4-4-2. Yeah. And uh, I'm interested to see what Val Green does uh, with that game. Yeah, and for all you listening – what do you think? Any changes to the lineup for the next match? Or should Valverde start the same lineup against Sociedad? Let us know. Barsatalk.net. Special thanks today to our Barca B correspondent, Max Bluer. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson. Editing and music by Brian Henderson. Social media and promotion by Gabriel Quiroga. We can't make this show without you, the listeners. So go to barsatalk.net slash support to see the premiums you get with a monthly contribution. And visca Barca. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.